With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is Jeff T. from the Club 520 Podcast. When it comes to your feet, eBay's got your back. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guaranteed, that means real experts are checking your sneakers. Every stitch, down to the sole. They even smell them because nothing says fresh like the scent of real kicks. So kick back and relax. From the drop to your doorstep, eBay doesn't play games with your sneaker game. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay Authenticity Guaranteed. Visit ebay.com for terms. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined today by two of my favorite analysts in the industry, Pat Fitzmorris of Fantasy Pros, of course. He's at Fitz underscore FF on Twitter. And Kevin Coleman of Football Guys and the Debbie Royale at Du Bois underscore 22. Kevin, I'm a big fan of yours. I'm really excited to be recording with you today. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, you know, anytime I get to go on and talk with the guys, the pros like you, I got to step up my game. And I'm sure this topic is not going to make anybody mad. So I'm really excited about that. <laughs> uh, it most certainly will. Uh, Fitz, I was actually going to say this to you. Like, I feel like the last three shows I've done with you in recent weeks have all been very mm. negative. It's overvalued <laughs> players. It's players to avoid. Today, we're talking about players who might fall off a fantasy cliff this season. Like, I'm a pretty optimistic, generally positive guy. I don't know why our producer, John, keeps scheduling me on these negative shows, Pat. I know you're a ray of sunshine, Ryan. And, you know, I'm a grumpy old man, so these shows are right up my alley. But you, you know, we we should give you more seashells and balloons uh, topics here. Maybe later in the summer I'll get those. Like I mentioned, I'm Ryan Wormley, at Ryan Wormley on Twitter. Guys, we will jump into it, running through a dozen players today. Like we mentioned already, players that could fall off the cliff this season. It could be because of age. It could be because their situation has changed, something with the coaching staff, whatever it is. For some reason, these players might fall off the fantasy cliff in 2023. So we will jump right into it. We will start with the quarterbacks. And Kevin, as the guest, we will start with you. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins uh, on this one. And, we, you know, Kirk is fine. Like, I think he's quarterback 13 where he's kind of going right now. Um, but Kirk is like this. My co-host Jeff always talks about this. Like, if you have someone better than Kirk Cousins, you feel pretty good about your team. But if you have Kirk Cousins or someone worse, you're like, ah, I'm a little nervous about my team. And that's kind of how I rank with Kirk. Um, you know, when you're looking at what he did last year, he really only had one week winning performance. And that was when he had 56 pass attempts. Outside of that, you weren't really winning your leagues with Kirk Cousins, you know, and, and on top of that this year, you know, Dalvin Cook being gone, what is that, you know, what is that offense really going to look like? Um, and, and I do think that their defense is going to be a little bit brighter with Brian Flores. So the game script, I think, is going to be, you know, kind of flipped a little bit. Last year, we saw him throw a lot because they were down a lot. But Brian Flores being there, they've gotten younger. I do think that they're going to take that analytical approach on that side. So just from an overall perspective, he just feels like he's fine. But I think he could take a dip. I think with the offense around him, I know they added Jordan Addison. I understand all that. Um, but he just has not looked amazing. And the upside, you know, there's no upside. He has no rushing floor. He's not running out there. He looks like me out there. He's not going to do give you anything there. So I, I'm just, I'm kind of out on Kirk Cousins at, at cost. I think that he could see a big dip and you're not going to win your fantasy league with him as your starting quarterback. 
Yeah, you mentioned, you know, they, they get rid of the star running back. They add one of the star receivers in the draft. So by that metric, you could say, oh, well, like maybe they are planning to throw more another year in Kevin O'Connell's offense. But you think it's more likely to go to the other direction? I just think that it's going to be inefficient. And I think that the game scripts and we, when you're looking at the volume, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be there. I think Jefferson's going to get targeted. Yeah, he'll he'll earn his. But I just don't when you draft a guy like Kirk Cousins, they're not going to help you because the ceiling's just not there. And I don't think his floor is really there either because that rushing upside is not going to be there as well. And I, and I do think they can lean in the rushing attack. I just don't see like it's, it's not fun. I selecting him and I could see a dip and at quarterback 13. Like that's probably his ceiling. I really do believe that. So you're you're going to take a dip there anyway so i'm out i'm out on kirk cousins this year i'm going to move on and look at other options yeah for a while it was andy dalton was that classic like right in the middle like you you don't love him you don't hate him he's just there now it's kirk cousins who's yeah i think that's a great point if you've got a quarterback better than him you're, you're pretty happy uh otherwise you're not fitz who's your guy uh my guy is geno smith Ryan. And like, I think the narrative is that Gino was terrific last year. And now he's getting even more firepower with Jackson Smith and Jigba coming in. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, who's maybe a little more competent as a pass catcher than Kenneth Walker. But we saw Gino start to leak a little oil down the stretch last year. Um, from in games one through 12 for Gino, he was just on fire, had a 72.7 completion percentage. Uh, 108.7 passer rating, 8.1 yards per attempt, which is phenomenal, 22 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Then in games 13 through 18, 63.3 completion percentage, uh, 83.9 passer rating, 6.2 yards per attempt, which is like Zach Wilson territory, 8 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. So kind of more in line with Gino's career stats. And, uh, you know, we know that he had been a, a backup for good reason, not doing much at all since coming into the league in 2013. So, yeah, great start for Gino playing at a near MVP level for the first 12 weeks. Not as good down the stretch. So I'm a little worried that he's not going to be able to duplicate the success he had in 2022. We also know, just knowing Pete Carroll, that like even though they might have added Jackson Smith and Jigba and have this really great trio of receivers, they also drafted a running back in the second round, a year after drafting another running back in the second round, and they are going to want to run the ball still. So yeah, it's just really hard to see the volume being there for Geno, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, as long as Pete Carroll is there, yeah. they're going to run the ball at at least a league average rate, if not, you know, more run heavy than the league average. Kevin, give me your first running back who could fall off the cliff. Yeah, I'm going to stick my neck out on this one a little bit because we've been saying this guy is going to fall off the cliff for a while and he hasn't. But Derrick Henry, I, I think that this might be the time, you know, 20 years, nine years old. Um, he did bounce back last year and we saw that he did finish high. But there's little metrics that are popping up now that sees like kind of a little bit of a decline. Like, you know, he averaged five yards per carry between 2018 and 2020. But in the last two years, he's been around that 4.3, 4.4 mark. So you have seen kind of a dip in that um, his evaded tackles per touch, which is a really fun little metric and yards created per touch are both down. Like they're starting to really go down. So we're seeing him not be able to make guys miss. Um, we're still seeing the volume there and, and that's something to note, but there is little metrics in his game that we're seeing dip on top of that. I'm really worried about that offensive line. They only have one starter from last year that returns and that's Nicholas uh, Petit. That's the only returning starter. And he struggled last year. They actually kind of benched him from the left tackle position and moved him around a little bit. 
Then you look at the quarterback play. Tannehill was really bad, injured last year. Um, Levis, rookie quarterback. And, and I get everybody wants to say, oh, well, you know, they'll protect those guys with Derrick Henry, which may be true, but that offensive line might not let them. Like, there are a lot of red flags on that roster. No receivers. I mean, I mean, I guess Traylon Burks. I don't want to make the Burks, you know, truthers out there, you know, mad at me. But, like, that's it, though. When you're looking at that wide receiver room outside of Burks, there's really nothing there. Um, I'm just worried that, you know, we, we, we dived in with Henry. People draft him at a ceiling, and we expect him to kind of produce. I think the metrics have shown he's slowing down, and I don't like that offensive line. I'm very concerned about that offensive line. Yeah, Henry's one of those guys who, like, he's been the exception to the rule in so many areas of his career that it's like, well, maybe he can keep going. Like, he's it's almost similar to Travis Kelsey, where it's like, I'm going to stop trying to predict when he's going to be done. I'm just going to keep drafting, and eventually it'll burn me. But I can't be, like, out again and have him burn me again. But you're right. There's so much going against him in this offense right now. Even if you were to say, well, he's still only 29. He's not on the wrong side of 30 yet. Like, he could still be really good. It seems like every factor in the offense, outside of the fact that he's going to get volume is going against him yeah I mean when you're looking at it we're trying to predict these things and it can be difficult but I just I I always go back and, and you know we have our offensive line rankings and everything there and you just look at like red flags and when I'm drafting running backs especially in fantasy this year you try to avoid the big red flags. And to me, when you're looking at his profile, it's red flag, red flag, red flag. And you can say, oh, well, he's Derrick Henry. Well, at some point, the wheels do fall off. Like at some point you're looking at and they're not going to be able to live up to ADP. And to me, this is a value ADP argument. And I think Henry might not be able to do that. And I don't think it's out of the question. He might get traded. Like there is a, what if they're really bad? And, you know, right before the trade deadline, they are going to move them. And then, yeah, then expectations are kind of thrown out. But that could definitely be in play as well. Yeah, speaking of ADP, Derrick Henry is currently being drafted as RB9, 25th overall in FFPC drafts right now. And speaking of, the Fantasy Pros Championship at FFPC is here to test your skills, battle for your share of the $6 million prize pool, including the massive $1 million grand prize, and also score free subscriptions to both Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros, which is a value much less than a million dollars, of course, but still awesome. Register now at fantasypros.com slash champion and use promo code FANTASYPROS for $25 off your entry. Outplay your competitors in a 12-team league throughout a 12-week regular season with weekly waivers, lineup choices, and no trades. Rank among the top two or win your league's playoffs to move on to the championship round and compete for the grand prize during weeks 15 to 17. You also have the chance to compete against the Fantasy Pros crew. Fitz's league is drafting August 8th at 4 p.m. Eastern. My league is drafting August 23rd at 7 p.m. Eastern. And of course, Eric's Debro, Mayor, and Kelly all have leagues of their own as well. Again, visit fantasypros.com slash championship today and use promo code fantasypros for a $25 discount. Now get ready to go out there and dominate. Fitz, give me your first running back that might fall off a cliff. DeAndre Swift, who's uh stay with the Detroit Lions ended very abruptly uh, with the drafting of Jameer Gibbs, much earlier than anyone expected Gibbs to be drafted. And, uh, you know, a couple days later, they officially kicked Swift to the curb um, and traded him to the Eagles for next to nothing. And that would seem to be kind of a soft landing. He goes to this terrific offense, one of the better offensive lines in the league. But I just don't know if he's going to be a good fit there. I mean, he is not a good inside runner at all. And there's sort of a, a skill set duplication, I think, with DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell. And all the Eagles beat writers seem to think that uh, Rashad Penny has the inside track on early down work for the Eagles. So 
I mean, what Swift is really good at is catching passes. And he had 70 targets last year in 14 games. So he averaged five targets a game. Uh, the year before, 78 targets in 13 games. So six targets a game. The Eagles had 61 running back targets last year, fewest in the league. They just don't throw to their backs. And we know that mobile quarterbacks tend not to dump off. They just kind of take it themselves and, and run with the ball. And that's sort of what we saw from Jalen Hurts last year. So you've got kind of two pass catching backs there with Gainwell and Swift, and they're not really a team that targets running back. So I just, I don't know where Swift is going to, uh, derive fantasy value this year it just does not seem like a good fit to me do you prefer penny because penny's going about 40 picks later in ffpc drafts oh at cost absolutely i mean i, th I think i might have swift ranked slightly higher but like i'm even kind of second guessing that whether that should be the case you've got swift 29th which is actually the highest amongst the uh the fantasy pros guys He's, you're definitely higher on him than you are on penny uh kevin give me your next running back yeah, I'm going to take Josh Jacobs uh, for a combination of all kinds of different factors. Uh, one, I don't know how you you know you guys interpret tweets, but yesterday he tweeted out bad business on the on the social media. So I think he's upset about his contract a little bit. So you know everybody knows he had his you know they they franchised him. I think one big red flag for me with Jacobs is Willie does he want to play on the franchise tag? How does that look in terms of like hey Willie hold out? So I'm concerned there. Um, also his usage, you know, he's always been kind of a middling running back too, in terms of what he did. And then last year was his big outlier year, that running back three finish. Um, but what does that usage look like? And John Daigle had a really good um, piece on this. And there's five running backs that have registered 390 touches in a single season over the last 10 years. And their use is a falling year. Every single one dipped except for Le'Veon Bell. Um, and so we saw a dip in usage and none of those guys actually played all their games. So, and Jacobs is not been one of those guys has shown like that he can stay healthy last year he did it but again i think we're looking at an outlier season rather than what we predictive season so with because of the touches he got last year because of you know what we've seen uh, in terms of like you just efficiency metrics after that uh, you know the offense is not going to be the best offense i don't know if you guys have checked it out lately uh jimmy g will he be there what's that quarterback situation look like they did use draft capital on zamir white and by no means am i a zamir white truther but i do think they want to use him and i do think they can utilize him in the red zone and in some of those tough carries so i just think from a usage perspective and probably where his adp's at i'd rather take a shot on somebody else and i think he could take a dip so do you just attribute his huge leap? Because it was an outlier in terms of total touches last year. If you look at just rushing attempts, you know, the first three seasons, 242, 273, 217. Last year, 340. He was also one off a career high in receptions last year. Do you just attribute attribute that to him being healthier than he had been in previous seasons? Or do you think they really wanted to kind of run him into the ground a bit more than they had previously? Well, I definitely think McDaniels ran him into the ground because I, they wanted to use him there. But I also think their offense just was very inefficient last year. And, and with, with Carr and the kind of the injuries that they sustained, especially at the wide receiver position, I think they had to. And I think that they're coming into this year a little healthier on the outside, bringing in Jacoby Myers and those type of things. I think those things are going to make this the touches go around a little bit differently. Um, and I do think that they're going to use the running back room a little bit more. I, I don't necessarily think Jacobs can handle that load. I don't think he wants to. And I, and I think coming into this, 
this year where he's franchised, he cannot get injured. I think he knows that. I think that's why he's upset with that injury. Cause if he does, we've seen the running back market. So I think all those things taken to play with Jacobs. So Kevin, before we move on, your two running backs were Derek Henry going 25th overall in FFPC, Josh Jacobs going 23rd overall. Who would you rather be drafting of those two? Or are you not drafting any of them anywhere close to that? If I had to pick between either one, um, I'd probably go Henry uh, just because he's just a Superman and he'll probably make me look dumb on this pod. Um, but I, I, I think Henry, because he's not, he's said he's coming. He's been in the OTAs and we've seen him. Jacobs is I, I tend to avoid guys that are upset with their contract and could hold out. Fitz, who would you prefer between Henry and Jacobs? I think I would go with Kevin there on that and take Henry also. And who's your last running back you're taking? It is James Conner. And um, I, I think we're going to see a groundswell of uh, like Twitter analyst support for <laughs> Connor in the lead up to the season. Basically, as people just look at that depth chart and say, who else is going to get the ball for the Cardinals? And it's true. I mean, he is kind of looking like a decent volume play far and away the, the best running back on the Cardinals roster. And, um, you know, he he does add value as a pass catcher. I think Connor's had at least 34 receptions in each of the last four years. But man, the Cardinals are going to stink this year. That that team is just going to be a four alarm fire. And um, I, I don't think Connor is going to be very efficient as a result of of playing in a bad offense. So he's going to need volume to pop. He's probably going to get it. But if he does get a lot of volume, then that kind of ratchets up the injury risk for a guy who's missed at least two games in each of his six NFL seasons. So. I just worry about uh, the efficiency. I think there are going to be some games where the Cardinals are just too far down to even like try to establish any sort of running game. Um, so I think it's going to be kind of a, a bumpy ride for Connor this year, even if he is getting a lot of touches. Before we get to the rest of the potential bust this year, I want to take your fantasy football game to the next level with DraftWizard at FantasyPros.com slash DraftWizard. Sync your league for free and instantly set up a mock draft that follows your exact league settings. And if you're looking for an even bigger edge over your competition, use our draft intel tool to get inside knowledge of how your league mates draft historically so you never get caught off guard. Then after your draft, our draft analyzer will grade your picks so you can make sure you've got the winning edge download the draft wizard app or visit fantasypros.com slash draft wizard today and start drafting like a pro there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum and how you get the most out of select can't miss events with access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics exactly. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of that like that see that Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? 
I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Guys, before I get to the rest, I wanted to ask a quick question because I noticed in looking at the FFPC ADP data of all these players we picked, we have a dozen players we're talking about. Nine of them are going between 64 and 89 in FFPC drafts right now. And I wanted to ask Kevin, is there something about that range where that's kind of where we put guys that have been productive in the past, but maybe we don't fully believe in? Because it seems odd to me that we would see so many guys going in just within about 20 picks of each other. Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of these guys have some real true question marks about like their longstanding um, ability to stay healthy or in that system that they're in. And they're kind of in that weird tier of like, you know, you take a shot on these guys, but you're drafting them at their ceiling, which may not be very high. And in these type of drafts, especially the FFPC, I know you want to take ceiling plays where some of these rookies have shown that they can kind of do that where these second year breakout players. So I think that's really where it comes from. Um, and just being a little bit more risk averse when you come into these kind of drafts. Yeah, Fitz, what do you make of the fact that these guys are all going like from that late fifth round to like mid seventh range? Kevin and I are sort of identifying some of the risk associated with all these players. And I think a lot of the drafters recognize the risks and and there are some possible rewards with some of these guys. But, um, you know, they're definitely risks and, and the sharp people who drafted FFPC realize that, I think. Sharp people in FFPC and also sharp analysts here on this show today. <laughs> Kevin, give me your first wide receiver that you think could fall off a cliff. Yeah, I'm taking Tyler Lockett. And I think um, part of it was what Fitz talked about earlier with Geno Smith. I you know I wanted to pick Geno for the quarterback spot too, because I, I, I think a lot of people are building up Geno and they didn't look at his inefficiency numbers towards the end of the year. On top of that, with Tyler, everybody talks about Tyler Lockett being that solid you know, wide receiver too. You could always draft him, but I don't think he's ever had the target you know, competition like he has with Jackson Smith, the Jigba. Now that's a real talent. And we're talking about a kid that got first round draft capital wide receiver, one of his class, uh, most draft analysts believe that. And he has him coming there. And in that slot position where he's at Lockett's never had that, you know, that guy that pushes him there. He's getting a little older, obviously on the other side of 30. Um, and he might become because of JSN, because of this offense, because of, I think the increased rushing volume as well. I do think like you brought up, with Zach and Ken Walker being there now, Zach Charbonnet, they are going to run the ball a little bit more. So where are those targets going to be at? And I think Tyler Lockett may become like that big play dependent. And we've seen this with Lockett before. While he can be efficient, we've seen like those games where, remember, I think it was a game a couple years, he had 42 fantasy points. And in the next three games, he had like two, four, five. And if he does that consistently with JSN behind him now, I think that's where you kind of got to get concerned about his overall value in fantasy leagues. Yeah, it definitely feels like a year where we could see he wins three weeks and then just is killing yeah. you the rest of the season. Uh, Fitz, you're looking at another guy in the NFC West for your first wide receiver. Yeah, um, another Cardinal here with Marquise Hollywood Brown, Ryan. So I guess I'm picking on the Cardinals today. Um, there were six teams last year that won five or fewer games. The Colts, Texans, Broncos, Bears, Rams, and Cardinals. 
not one of them had a 1,000 yard receiver last year. And and granted, the Rams would have had Cooper Cup go over that number had he stayed healthy. But then again, maybe the Rams would have won uh, six or more games had Cup stayed healthy. I know that people are going to be drawn to Hollywood Brown because DeAndre Hopkins isn't around anymore. And they're going to note that uh, when uh, Hopkins was serving his PED suspension early last year, uh, over those six weeks, Marquise Brown was the wide receiver five in PPR scoring. But it should be noted that only one of those six games came against a decent pass defense. I mean, I, I do give Hollywood credit for hanging an eight-catch, 78-yard, one-touchdown game on the Eagles. Uh, but the other five teams he faced during that stretch ranked 17th, 20th, 24th, 27th, and 31st in DVOA against the pass. So it was a pretty easy run of schedule. Um, Brown has finished with less than 800 yards in three of his four seasons. The only time he's averaged better than 60 receiving yards in a game for a season uh, was 2021. That was his one 1,000-yard season. Um, he's averaged a really uninspiring 7.2 yards per target over his career and 1.67 yards per route run. Uh, just kind of pedestrian efficiency numbers there. And it's unclear when or if Kyler Murray is going to play this year. I mean, you've got a team that's in full-on tanking mode, no question about it. So they are not going to rush Murray back. And, you know, a guy who's already got bad efficiency numbers, what are those numbers going to look like with either Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon at quarterback? So I'm really worried about this. Like, I, I even if Hollywood is getting seven, eight, nine targets consistently every game, I don't know if that target volume is going to mean much in this offense. Yeah, it's a good point on Kyle. First of all, you said you're kind of picking on the Cardinals. Like, I think <laughs> of all the teams to pick on, the Cardinals are the one this year, certainly. Uh, but then also to your point, like, he didn't finish strong in December after Kyler went down with the injury last year. So, I mean, it was only a couple of games, but that's we don't know what he would look like with a, a quarterback over the long term if it is a long-term start to the season without Kyler or if Kyler is severely limited or whatever it is. So I think it's a really good point on Hollywood Brown. Kevin, who's your next receiver? Yeah, I'm going to go Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams. Um, at this point, when you're looking at Williams, I think people always bought in because Herbert was there and he was the wide receiver too in an offense that was going to throw the ball a lot. Um, but he just can't stay healthy. I, d I don't know like if you're a manager out there and where you're comfortable drafting Mike Williams and pressing that button because he's, you know, 13 games last year before that injured this off season back, maybe surgery was, was floated out there. And I don't know about you. I know I'm getting older, but like when I hear back injury, like that concerns me because it, it takes me a while to get out. And when you're talking about an NFL wide receiver, um, I think that's the question I have the most part with Williams. On top of that, like people will point out like his target share was still around almost 20% last year. I think it was like 19%-ish. Um, but he didn't have Quentin Johnson behind him. And now Quentin Johnson going to be there from TCU. And it sounds like he's having a heck of an OTA in spring. If that's the case, then I'm kind of out there because I think Johnson could kind of take over if he falters at all. If Williams misses a game and Johnson steps up and shows that he can be a true wide receiver two or push for that wide receiver one mark, then what Williams is going to be out of the fold. And then you move into wide receiver three on that offense. And I'm kind of out there. Injuries uh, really is the big factor for me. Can't stay healthy. Now you have a true talented receiver rookie guy behind him that can push him. So, Kevin, you are a Cowboys fan, so obviously you watch a lot of Kellen Moore offenses. How do you see 
Mike Williams, if he is healthy, fitting into a Kellen Moore offense? Oh, me and Kellen Moore have had a relationship <laughs> together. Um, I, I will say as far as like in uh, in that offense, I think Mike, they'll scheme him really well. You're going to see probably a lot of comeback routes and a lot of stuff that he did, uh, or excuse me, with Quentin Johnson too, with what he did at TCU. So you're going to see a lot of the routes that elevates him. I don't think Kellen Moore is a terrible offensive coordinator. I think that he struggled because McCarthy was there. So if they allow him to open it up a little bit, I do think that he elevates their wide receiver room. And I think that that could be, kind of a system where you saw CD lamb really kind of develop this last year. That could be where Quentin Johnston really his bread and butter comeback routes, you know, using play action, those type of things. That is, that excites me about this offense. It does for the pass catchers. I just don't think Williams can stay healthy. That's why I'm out. Fitz, uh, Kevin mentioned at the top of the show how uh, we might get some hate for some of the names we put out here on the show. Your wide receiver that you're picking is Mike Evans. And I mentioned that because I do the social media stuff here. Whenever we put out a graphic that doesn't have a lot of hype about Mike Evans, we always get a ton of replies. He's so reliable. He does great every year. Even with it being Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask at quarterback in Tampa, we get people who say, why are you hating on Mike Evans? He's a Hall of Fame receiver. He's had an amazing career. So please, you be the one to make the case against Mike Evans and keep the hate off of me. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to, this is going to be a lightning rod pick. I actually thought this was kind of low hanging fruit and it is largely related to Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker Mayfield just destroyed DJ Moore's fantasy value uh, over the first half of 2022 with the Panthers. And uh, Moore started producing again as soon as Mayfield was gone and Sam Darnold was reinserted as the starting quarterback. So I worry that Evans game, that that high air yards game, uh, not a lot of yards after the catch. Like, I, I don't think that's going to pair with Baker Mayfield well at all. Like Evans needs, you know, daring quarterbacks are willing to make like tight, tight throws, tight windows throws. Um, I just don't think this pairing is going to work. I think Baker Mayfield will be far less ruinous to Chris Godwin's fantasy value than he will be to Mike Evans. But it's not totally Baker Mayfield related. I mean, we saw Mike Evans have an 11 game touchdown strat uh, drought last year, the longest of his career by far. And maybe we kind of forgot about it because he ended that with a three touchdown game that helped a lot of people win their fantasy playoff games. But man, 11 games, no touchdowns. And that was with Tom Brady at quarterback. So I do wonder if maybe there's starting to be a little bit of age related decline here. Um, you know, I, I still think Evans is a terrific receiver, but man, like he is not going to be in a, a peak situation here with the quarterbacks he has throwing to him, whether it's Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Yeah. For, first of all, I agree with you. I think this should be low hanging fruit and kind of a no brainer. It's for whatever people, reason reply guys don't seem to feel that way uh but, but second of all it's a good point about how a lot of people are probably going to remember what an amazing ending he was wide receiver one in week 17 207 yards three touchdowns his weekly finishes amongst wide receivers before that the weeks leading up to that 74th 45th 49th 32nd 56th so he was quite actively bad like you said with a better quarterback than he'll have this year uh, up until that big finish, he also had that uh, you know famous, very um, terrible dropped. What was it like a seventy-yard touchdown? Like one of the first plays on a red zone of whatever week that was. So uh, yeah, a frustrating year for the most part, honestly, for, for Mike Evans. Manders, where are you at on Evans, Kevin? 
No, I agree with Fitz. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm using reply bros forever now, Ryan, by the way, I, I love that term. Um, no, I think, uh, I, I agree. I think just, I don't think it's going to be efficient there and Godwin will do better in the slot and he's going to be able to create separation. He got a little bit better last year. I don't know how you can bet on these wide receivers with this quarterback room, right? Have you seen the videos of Trask and Maker Mayfield throwing passes this spring? Like I just, uh, you're you it's too scary to plug these guys in week to week like and I and I do Evans will probably have a couple of those games where he has two touchdowns and he does that I just don't see the efficiency and in reality he might get traded too like there's a there's a possibility that these guys get moved as well so like just a lot of unknowns and why you know based on ADP do you draft these type of players where they're you know where the unknowns are let's wrap up with the tight ends Kevin sticking with you here yeah, well, apparently the NFC West show, but I, I went with George yeah. Kittle, uh, 49ers tied in. And, and this is really just baked into the weapons that they have around there. So when you look at the target share, when everybody's healthy, which is also, you know, everybody stays healthy in the 49ers is a, is a long shot. But CMC, Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle, when they're on the field, here's what their target share was last year. Debo had 22%, Ayuk had 22%, CMC was 21%, Kittle was at 13%. That's scary if you're drafting Kittle as like a tight end five-ish in that ADP range. Because where is that going to come from? Um, he he had a weird season last year. He did score 11 touchdowns, but that's probably going to regress a little bit. I, I can't see him getting that high in those because he only averaged 51 yards receiving last year. So it's kind of this weird where he was a touchdown scorer, but wasn't very efficient as a pass catcher. And where are those targets coming from? And then who's throwing him the ball? Is it Purdy? Is it Lance? I mean, it seemed like him and Purdy did have that connection, but if they do roll out Trey Lance next this year coming up. How is that going to look for his targets there? And really just comes down to if you want tight ends, and this is how I draft tight ends, can they be the number two target, you know, earner on their roster? Can they go get those targets that we really need from that position? Kittle's not doesn't look like he's going to do that without injuries in front of him. And that makes me nervous. Yeah, another guy, you know, talk about Mike Evans, another guy who finished really strong, although it was over the course of multiple weeks, his last yeah. four games of the season. This does go into week 18. He finished first, second, 12th, and second. So uh, about as strong a finish as you can possibly have at the tight end position. I want to put you on the spot, Kevin. Predict which quarterback will make the most starts in San Francisco this year. Well, you know, I'm going to stick with the brand. I'm going to say Trey Lance. I'm going to go with my guy Trey and just we're going to roll with him until he lets me down. But I'm going to go Trey Lance this year. Fitz, same question. I have a feeling you're going to agree with Kevin. I'm going to absolutely agree with Kevin. I'm a Trey Lance truther. So glad to be on board. I, I I think it happened. They got to give him a shot, don't they? I mean, with the draft capital they spent on him, if they trade him for pennies on the dollar, I mean, I don't know. I just, I can't <laughs> imagine that they would give up on him without ever really giving him a shot. I mean, like what he got hurt. He played a game in a rainstorm. I mean, he just like, hasn't had a fair shake there. Yeah. I will say I am one of the, I'm convinced that Sam Darnold could succeed in a Kyle Shanahan offense with these uh, with these skill position players around him. Not that I would put him above the pecking order, above like a Trey Lance, but I, if if it got to the point where Darnold was starting, I don't think we'd see too much of a drop off for for a lot of these other guys. Uh, Fitz, give me your tight end to wrap things up here. So it's Darren Waller, and I, I think people still salivate over those back-to-back 1,100-yard seasons he had in 2019 and 2020, but those seasons are getting smaller and smaller in the rearview mirror. Um, he's entering his age 31 season. He's missed 14 games over the last two years. He's going into a completely new and unfamiliar system. 
I just think it's a little far-fetched to think like Waller is going to be this uh, the same sort of target hog he was during those years with the Raiders, even though I think a lot of people are going to project that simply because the Giants wide receiver situation is so muddled with like six or seven guys who could possibly, uh, you know, lay claim to being the lead receiver there. Um, I, I worry about Waller's ability to stay healthy. And I worry that even if he is healthy, he's not going to be the alpha guy. He was a couple of years ago with the Raiders. Kevin, I always like to ask people when we're talking about tight ends, just sort of what is your strategy? I know you mentioned finding a guy who can be in that top two and target share in the offense, but is your strategy to pay up and get a Kelsey or an Andrews, or is it to say, I'm going to find a sleeper after round 10, or is it to sort of play in this middle ground with like the Hawkinsons and Goddards of the world? Man, I've tried to figure this out forever, Ryan. I, you know, for me, like I, I used to be like the late round guy and I would just like play the waivers, but those, that, that is a strategy that has not been very fruitful for the last couple of years, because I think most people are trying to do that. And, and so it gets really competitive on that side. To me, I think going into this year, you draft one of the top four guys. And if you're looking at Andrews, I still believe in Pitts, you know, and then you have Hawkinson and Kelsey there. Like if you go get one of those guys, I think the positional advantage is just so much more. Now, if you do miss on those guys, I don't try to take the mid round guys because I do think there's a lot of value to be had at the wide receiver and running back position there. Um, but then if you wait for a 10th round or later guy, look for that targets here, looking for the schemes too. I think we're very scheme dependent on last year's teams, not this year's teams. I don't think we do a very good job of like projecting what it's going to look like going forward. Um, so look at that and then you target those guys and you go after them. Like, for example, like Cole Komet is not a target of mine right now. Not to, sorry, Chicago fans, but like, I just think Robert Tunyon's running with the ones like, but he's always getting touted as that 10th round or later guy. That's the, not a guy on my radar. Like you really got to be very careful with the schemes, how, what, what teams are running, what's that offense look like, where those targets come from. Um, and, and it's, it's a crapshoot though. After 10th round, you're, 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 you're just guessing a little bit. He is Kevin Coleman. Check him out at Football Guys and on the Devi Royale. Fitz, thank you for joining as always. We will wrap it up there. Be sure to check out FFPC Fantasy Pros Contest and also Draft Wizard all draft season long. You can start practicing now with the Mock Draft Simulator and get those reps in. He is Fitz and Kevin. I'm Ryan. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... 
right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug right, needed. Let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 